Welcome to Senior Living Arizona, where we take senior living to the fullest. Join us as we explore Arizona's hotspots and senior-friendly activities, collect tips for great fun and food, and talk about enjoying all that Arizona living has to offer. Brought to you by Senior Living Services in Arizona, please welcome our host, Linda Mettler. Hi, Linda Berry here with part three of my story of my journey, um, my mom's journey, my, mine and my mom's journey to living in assisted living. Um, so when I left off, I was talking to you about hospice and, and I think I was just raving about them. They're so wonderful. And talking about having an advocate for your loved one's health care. So my mom had been, had also when I left off, my mom had just been hospitalized for the second time with an E. coli infection. Um, they didn't expect her to live, but she did. And we called the assisted living center again saying, hey, she's actually in worse shape this time. We've um, put her on hospice care. You know, what, what are your feelings? Uh, do, do you want us to bring her back to assisted living or do you want us to send her to full nursing care? That was a really tough decision for me because she was even sicker than the first time. Really, really tough. The first time, you know, she wasn't near death. And so I felt pretty comfortable and confident that assisted living could take care of her with, with some extra, you know, extra caregivers, extra things. This time I was really dubious. The one thing I will tell you about hospice and the hospital is that the minute I put my mom on hospice care, we were in the hospital. They, they were recommending hospice care. I called hospice. They came over. I signed the contract. Uh, within an hour, the hospital discharged my mom. My mom was having a really rough day. She was far from being recovered. But they said, nope, hospice takes over her care. She has to go. She has to be discharged. You have basically less than an hour to decide if she's going back to assisted living or if she's going to go to a full nursing facility and we will find one for you. That, that is how the healthcare system works, at least in California. I can't speak nationwide. I can only speak from my experience, which has been in California. But literally within an hour, her discharge papers had been signed. My mom could not move. She could not get out of bed on her own. She was in excruciating pain. She was just, she wanted to die. She was feeling horrible. The hospice people were there. The ambulance came. I was on the phone with the nurse at the assisted living center trying to figure out if they would take her back or if I needed to get her to a nursing facility. It was chaos. It was absolute chaos. My phone was ringing off the hook. People were calling. I was calling other people. My mom was in, you know, terrible shape physically and mentally. She wanted to die. Um, I sat on the bed next to her trying to figure out my next move with my arm around her. I was sobbing. It was a horrible, horrible time. And I'm crying now just reliving it. It was a horrible day. But the resident director at the assisted living said, nope, bring her back, bring her back. We will do everything we can to help her. We will, you know, work with the hospice nurse. We also had to get, my mom was on IV antibiotics. So we had to hire an outside company, uh, which was private pay, by the way, to come in. They, they left 
um, my mom's IV port in her arm. She needed an additional six days of IV antibiotics. I begged the hospital to keep her for the remainder of that treatment. They said, nope, she's on hospice. Out she goes. And they, they probably, even if I hadn't put her on hospice, they were ready to release her. Hospitals anymore do not keep patients for long periods of time. That is something you should absolutely know. So you need to find a facility, uh, you, you know, that you can put your loved one in when they do have an illness. Because after four or five days, the hospital does not want you there anymore. It really doesn't matter how sick you are. Um, I guess unless you're in, in a coma in ICU. But short of that, they aren't keeping you. Uh, so you're going to have to figure out what you're going to do for long-term care for your loved one. Are they going to go home? So my mom went back to assisted living. I had to hire a private company, a private infusion company to come to the assisted living center every day for six days. And they charged me $300 a day. It took about an hour of time every day. I had a wonderful nurse. She came every day, gave my mom the IV medication, sat and talked to my mom the entire time, ordered additional supplies for my mom, helped me, talked to me, helped, helped me through all of it. Um, you know, my mom could barely eat or drink at the time. My mom was struggling trying to drink even out of a cup, a plastic cup. So the nurse said, hey, you know, get this certain type of straw. They work really well. Hey, get these certain types of flushable wipes. They're better than toilet paper. I mean, she just gave me such, so much great, tremendous advice. I just loved her. But, you know, I didn't know that I, that's what I was going to have to do. And, you know, six days, $1,800, private pay. Medicare would not cover it. Hospice doesn't cover it. So, you know, I had to pay that money. Um, fortunately, I was able to do that. You know, my mom had has enough money that I was able to cover that. So, but that's something most people don't think about. People think, oh my gosh, when my loved ones, you know, that sick and in, in assisted living or, you know, hospice, everything's going to be covered. It is not. Medicare is not going to cover everything. Um, they absolutely are not. So if you think they are, you need to research that as well because they are not going to cover everything. Even your my mom has supplemental insurance and she has a very good plan through United, United Healthcare, but they did not cover that either. So we can probably do a whole nother, a whole nother recording just on the financial aspects. And actually let's talk about that because um, that's the other area that you need an advocate for. My mom um, did survive is still in assisted living, still on hospice, as I mentioned, because she's a little up and down. And I really like the peace of mind of having them. But the financial aspect of having somebody in a long-term care situation is absolutely something that they also need an advocate for. So if you haven't had those conversations with your parents, and my mom wanted to avoid it for a long time. So I had general and healthcare power of attorney, but I did not have financial power of attorney. My mom just really did not ever believe this was going to happen to her. And again, remember what I said a little while ago, back in part one, my mom was super healthy. My mom lived on her own to age 95. My mom thought, oh, my mom walked miles a day in her 70s and 80s. She ate well, not, not obese, and still had AFib. 
um, two heart surgeries, two knee replacements. Things happen. Our bodies wear out. But our mind and our minds sometimes go along with it and sometimes they don't. My mom at this point, I would say is probably goes between 70 and 80% coherent, but her short-term memory is starting to go and she's starting to recognize it. And fortunately for me, you know, a couple of months ago, she agreed to sign updated amendments to her power of attorney and all of her financial documents, giving me, um, you know, financial power of attorney, access to everything so that I can pay her bills, so that I can keep her house going while all of this is, while she's transitioning to assisted living and getting through these health challenges. Without that, life would be even more difficult for me. And it was difficult for me in the beginning. I spent a lot of my own money and I still do because even though, you know, your parents or your loved ones may have some financial means, you're going to spend some of your own money. If you're living out of state or out of town, you, you just are, you know, the ride to the airport, uh, your plane tickets, um, when you get to, you know, where, where your loved ones are, you know, you need to go to the grocery store. You need something at the drugstore. They need something. When they're in assisted living, every time I see my mom, there's something new she needs or wants. Um, she ran out of toothpaste. So I run up and buy her some toothpaste. Do I think about it being her money versus my money? No, I just buy the toothpaste. So, but it adds up over time. You know, you spend a lot of money. So you need somebody that can track those expenses that can be judicial with your loved one's finances. Assisted living is not cheap. Uh, it is private pay, just like independent living. It is private pay. Now, my mom does have long-term care insurance. It doesn't pay a lot. It pays $60 a day. I am still waiting to find out if it's going to pay. She, I filed the claim back in December. She has a 30-day waiting period. The claim process, I am already 60 days in now on the claim process and still have not gotten approval. So I don't know if they're going to pay or not. I certainly hope so because it'll come out to a ride around $1,800 a month. My mom's care at this point in the assisted living is running over 8,000 a month, about 85. And that's because she, she's paying the base rate for the assisted living apartment plus additional care. She needs to be checked, still needs to be checked on every two hours. They charge her if I want them to take her outside for a walk or, or in her case, a walk is she's in the wheelchair and somebody's walking her to get some fresh air. If I want them to do that for an hour, it's $30. Um, so it's, it's not cheap and it's private pay. And you need to keep track of what they're charging you for, what you're paying for, what is medical expense, what is non-medical expense. You're going to have to track all of that because you can deduct some of that off of their taxes. Anything that is above 7.5% of their gross income you can deduct. You can deduct premiums for long-term care. You can deduct the cost of assisted living. Not you on your taxes, but on their taxes, on their tax return. You can deduct those expenses, but you've got to keep track of them. And you, that your loved one needs an advocate that can be judicious with their money. You can't throw it away. You can't, You everything is expensive. And I mean really expensive. My mom you know, they brought in a hospital bed while the hospital bed is just killing her back. 
you know, she hates it. She's having a hard time resting. So I bought a mattress topper for it. You think, okay, that's not a big deal. It's a hundred dollars. All right. My mom got bored one day, you know, she got well enough that she can sit up in the chair now. So she spends a lot of time in the chair, but she gets bored when she's by herself. So I bought her a couple decks of playing cards. Of course, they're only $5, but you know, all these little things, they add up over time. You know, I go to see my mom and I take her her favorite candy or I bring in some takeout for dinner or I take, get her in the car and take her to dinner. All of that adds up. It all adds up. It is a very expensive proposition to be in an assisted living facility for the long haul. So hopefully your loved one has some savings or you have some savings, but be judicious with it always. Um, and whoever that advocate is for, for your, your loved one, make sure that they understand the finances and that they are somebody that can keep track, that can look after those finances, pay those bills, have power of attorney, um, you know, communicate with an attorney or your loved one's CPA and keep track of those things. It is not easy. It is really hard. I have an entire file system now where I just organize everything. I pay her bills every month. Uh, I write checks out of her account. I've had to see, I had to figure out by myself, um, literally overnight, I had to go into my mom's office at her house, find all of her bank statements and figure out what was being automatically deducted and what was she writing checks for. I didn't want the lights being turned off, the heat not working, her long-term care insurance not being paid for you know, all of that, her cable, I had to figure all of that out. And I had to do all of that while my mom was in the hospital, while she was sick. And I had to do all of that after I got home from spending a 10 hour day with her in the hospital. So here I was 10 o'clock at night, going through my mom's desk and her files, trying to figure out her filing system, her organization, her accounting methods. It was rough really rough. So I've had a rough few months. Um, my work has definitely fallen behind, but I'm getting caught up slowly, but surely. And of course my mom is worth it. Absolutely. Every second of it. But I just want you to know what I've had to go through. So my, my first recommendation is have an advocate for their healthcare, somebody that can just focus on their healthcare. You know, you need to know what medications they're on, what medications, if hospice takes them off medications, why? Why are they doing that? There might be a reason. Uh, you know, you've got to manage their, their doctors. Who are their doctors? What are their phone numbers? You've got to get organized. You've got to get all of that integrated. All of their life, you've got to integrate into your life. So have an advocate. If you can't do it, or if you don't feel like you can be good at all of it, and you have siblings, divide and conquer, please. I don't have siblings. I have no other family members. So for me, it's all me. So I've had no choice. I've had to figure it all out and I've had to figure it out quickly. And some of it, I've done a good job. Some of it, you know, ah, it's, you know, I've done, I've done a great job with the healthcare and the finances. Um, my mom's house, thankfully she lives, lived in a condo that's pretty turnkey. Uh, I won't say it's the cleanest at this moment. It's not terrible, but I haven't dusted or vacuumed since this happened. <laughs> it's probably going to be a while before I do, but that's the least of my worries. However, I do go see my mom now. I, for a while, I was seeing my mom really like three days on, and then I would go back to work for four, three or four days and then go back out. 
Then I got to about every weekend for quite a long time. And now I'm at about every 10 to 14 days, I go spend three or four days at my mom's place. So now I can get things a little more under control. Um, but you, you definitely need, you know, an advocate or somebody to manage the healthcare aspect. You need somebody to manage the financial aspect. And then you need somebody to really advocate for your loved one in the assisted living facility. And it's not because the assisted living facility doesn't care. They do. They do care. Um, They have their own issues right now. All of them are understaffed. You know, they do not have enough staff to meet the needs of all of their residents. And in assisted living, every resident needs assistance. That is why they call it assisted living, right? So they either need help walking or eating or going to the bathroom or whatever it is. And and the severity of those needs varies from person to person. So that caregiver might only need to spend 10 or 15 minutes at a time with a resident, or they might need to spend an hour. And my mom wears a pendant now. So when she needs to move around, you know, they won't let her, she can walk with a walker to the bathroom but they don't want her to be by herself because she doesn't have good balance. And she has already fallen once uh, in the assisted living center because she tried to go by herself. So she has to push the button on the pendant. And her frustration is that it takes about 10 minutes for a caregiver to come and help her. But the issue on the other side of that coin is that caregiver, there's not enough of them. And the assisted living places are trying to hire people, you know, as as fast as they can, but they also have to hire qualified people and caring people and honest people. And that's not easy to find all of that in one, one staff member these days, somebody that's caring, that's qualified, that's trained, that's skilled, that's honest. Um, So you need somebody yourself or one of your family members to really stay on top of what's happening in the assisted living center. Again, Not because they're trying not to do a good job. They are trying to do a good job. But there is just so much to manage. Uh, Your your loved one's going to need supplies. They need laundry done. They need their bed sheets changed. They, you know, their needs change from day day to day. You know, my mom was able to read for a little while. Now she's really not able to focus and read books much. She can read for short periods of time. So I've gone from trying to get her books to get her magazines, you know, and she needs a new one every few days. Um, Some days she likes to eat in the dining room with other people and some days she doesn't. You know, sometimes she wants a certain blanket from her house or maybe she wants, um, you know, she gets tired of her clothes and she wants some different clothes. Uh, You know, their needs change. Um, She needs straws to drink out of. Um, You know, she wants... Sprite, then she doesn't want Sprite. She wants something to eat, then she wants something else to eat. Their needs change. You know, their health is going to change, right? They might get stronger, they might get weaker. Um, Everything changes. People come and visit them. They might get more confused. They have good days and bad days. So you need somebody in your family to be an advocate to just check what the ongoing day-to-day happenings are in that long-term care facility. Are they checking on her every two hours like you're paying for? That was a big thing for me. Um, You know, I was kind of 
I was paying for, I, I am paying for a higher level of care. I call every day. I call every day and check on my mom. I ask her if the nurse has been in there. I ask her, you know, did she have lunch? Did she have breakfast? Did they help her walk today? You know, some days my mom, I, I think she knows 100% what she's telling me. Some days, maybe not. So on those days, I call. I call the wellness center. I call and check on her. I call the front desk. I call the caretaker and I check on her every single day. You, ne- you need somebody to advocate, um, you know, for your loved one because they really think about it. You're in a, you're in a state where you're not a hundred percent physically, probably not mentally either. How do you advocate for yourself? You really can't. You can tell people what you want or what you need. But they may not think it's a high priority if it's just one of the staff members. They have to prioritize it, that per, your loved one with, you know, 50 other people that are there. So if you want to make sure your loved one gets the best care in assisted living, you have to be their eyes, ears, and their hearts. You have to be there every, not every day. Well, you really do need to be there every day. I call every day. Um, You know, I know how hard that is to do. We're all very busy. It's very hard to take the time to do that. I try hard not to call the director of uh, the resident director or the caretakers every single day. I try to maybe just check in with them once a week or every few days. But if there is something that my mom needs and it does not happen, I absolutely call and find out why didn't it happen. Um, I will have to say where my mom is, the nurses at the wellness clinic are really good at keeping me posted on, you know, anything out of the ordinary with my mom. And they're, you know, they're very good about just letting, texting me and letting me know what's going on. We text quite a bit. I love texting that way. I'm not bothering holding them up on the phone. They can shoot me texts and I can text them back. It's a great communication method for me. Now, maybe for you, you need to call them or email them, whatever works. But you absolutely need the advocate on an ongoing basis to make sure that the assisted living or long-term care facility, um, it could be a nursing home, to make sure they are taking care of your loved one. You know, I look and make sure all the time that the trash is empty, that the bathroom is clean. Uh, I want to make, that's my main concern is cleanliness. And, you know, they've done a great, great job. So, um, but I will tell you, uh, the first week that my mom was there, I will tell you something else that I learned. Do not let your loved one have anything of value. My mom was furious with me for not letting her have any money. She wanted money. And she managed to wrangle one of her credit cards away from me. It's a long story how that happened. But within two days, it was stolen and used. Now, of course, I caught it because I had, you know, get I had set up online access to all the accounts so that I could monitor everything. I caught it and I shut the card down right away. So that was great. But after, and I told my mom, I said, you know, we had seven hundred dollars worth of fraud. So it does happen. It will happen. So my mom has nothing of value. I have no identification. I mean, the you know, the main office has copies of her driver's license and social security card and insurance card. That's all they need. You know, my mom's not going anywhere by herself for a while. If she does improve to the point where she can get out by herself and live in the independent building, then absolutely. I will give her her wallet and her credit cards and ID back and 
have her manage those, but we are away from that. We're in assisted living. So she has no jewelry. She has no, I, I don't let her keep any mail of bank statements or anything that has her name, address, or any identification or bank account numbers, credit card numbers, anything like that. I don't let any of that stay in her possession at assisted living. And, you know, it's not that I, I don't trust people, but, you know, it's just too easy for, I guess actually I don't because she did have her card stolen. I'm not saying anything bad against the facility because I don't think it was, you know, it's kind of a buyer beware situation, right? And it was my fault for letting my mom wrangle that card away and keep it. I should never have let that happen. I should have put my foot down. Even if she was mad, I should have taken it away from her and, and you know, been done with it. But I didn't. Um, but I'm telling you, you should. And if your parents or loved one gets mad at you, so be it. Um, because you it will get stolen. You will have fraud. You will have that to deal with. So take that off of something that you need to deal with and worry about and learn from my experience. And don't let them have anything, nothing at all. Um, no identification, no credit cards, n- no bank statements, no mail, nothing like that, that can cause you problems later on. So, so, you know, that's the kind of things you have to manage on an ongoing basis, you know, um, also, you know, just the day-to-day life things, right? Your parents or loved ones are going to get bored. You've got to figure out, you know, how you can keep them engaged. Can, you know, do you have friends or family that can visit them? Can you put together a schedule of who visits them? Can you get things delivered to them? I get things delivered to my mom from Amazon all the time. I send her flowers. I send her crossword puzzle books. I send her magazines. I send her, uh, you know, I've, I have Uber Eats deliver food to her sometimes. Anything that breaks up the monotony for her, anything that brightens her day, anything that gives her interaction with somebody, I, I try, to, try to do, you know, two, three, four days a week. Uh, she, she doesn't have a lot of her friends left at this point in her life. She's going to be 96 in two months and she has outlived a lot of her friends, but she does have a few left. Um, and one of her friends is her hairdresser who is 30 years younger than her, but who has been doing her hair for 40 some years. Uh, she goes to church down the street from my mom. So she comes in some Sundays and just chit chats with my mom for an hour. And that just means so much to my mom. But again, you have to kind of advocate and set those things up and let people know that your loved one is lonely and that they need that interaction. So there's a lot of things to manage on an ongoing basis. You know, and I was a little naive. I sort of thought, okay, once I get my mom transferred and get her in this assisted living, everything's going to be okay. And I don't, I can just, you know, go back to calling her once or twice a week and check on her. Nope. It's a, it's a daily thing for me. And again, my situation's unique because I am an only child and I do live out of state. So it is a little more challenging for me, but I do encourage you, you know, if you have siblings and your parents are over 85, no matter how independent they are, no matter how brilliant and educated and smart, my mom is all of that. Our bodies fail us and your parents loved ones' bodies are going to fail them at some point. It is going to happen. Um, it's, it's not easy. It's really sad. It's emotionally heart-wrenching to watch. Very hard for me. And every time I see my mom, she's a little less stable and she's a, I can see her 
you know, inching to the end and it's very, very difficult, but you have to be able to keep certain things together for them and for your own sanity and your own life. Um, you have to be able to get to a point where, you know, you can manage things because you have a life too. I have two businesses that I run. Um, my husband has, has huge businesses um, that he runs. Fortunately, he doesn't need me for those, but I, I have two businesses of my own. Um, you know, I have a son, fortunately he's grown, but he lives on the other side of the country on the East coast. So I worry about him and try to stay connected and stay involved with him. As I mentioned, I live in Colorado, but I also live in Arizona part-time. So I travel quite a bit. So yes, you have to be able to advocate and take care of and manage your loved one's life, but you have to also be able to, you can't quit your life. Your life has to keep going on as well. And it's hard. So the more you can do or at least be aware of or understand about, you know, ahead of time, like I say, when your parents hit 85, start figuring out what is hospice? What is the power of attorney? Do they have a trust? Do we have financial documents in play? Do they have enough finances for assisted living? Okay, your parents say, oh, we're never going to move there. My mom swore to me. She pointed out the spot on the living room floor she went that when she was done, she was just going to die someday. I'm going to just drop right there at this spot on the living room floor. Well, that didn't happen. So start learning about these things. And if you have siblings, please, please, please talk amongst yourselves. Figure out there's not going to be one of you to advocate for all of these things, I hope, because you'll be exhausted like I am. Let me tell you, I have aged. <laughs> The past three months, I have, I have aged at least three to five years. I am very tired all the time. But, uh, you know, divide and conquer among you. Figure out who's the best person to manage finances. Who is the best one of you to, you know, who, who is going to take that call in the middle of the night when your parents, all of a sudden, something's happened and they're in the hospital? And who's going to manage communication? And who's going to manage the ongoing day-to-day things with that loved one when they do end up in a, in a facility, if they end up in a, in a assisted living facility, you know, even if, even if, you know, your loved one ends up living with you, you still have the same things to deal with. And at some point you'll have to have a caretaker come in to help, right? Because most of us are not natural born caretakers. Um, I know I'm not, I know that I cannot give my mom the care she needs at the level she needs on a 24 seven basis. I know that. So for me, you know, I feel much more comfortable with her where she is because I know they will do a much better job than me. But those are all the kinds of things you have to think about. And none of us want to think about them ahead of time. We really don't. I really only had it kind of in the back of my mind, like a general idea. What I would do is put together a checklist. And what would be on my checklist would be, the legal and financial things. There are tons of seminars and you can just Google and look up trusts and wills and power of attorney and advanced healthcare directives. Those are all, you absolutely need those. That should be first and foremost on your checklist. Second on your checklist should be healthcare. What are my parents' preferred hospitals? Do they have a primary care physician? Guess what? My mom did not. She does not have a primary care physician. 
She has two cardiologists. Uh, she has a dentist. She has a podiatrist. She doesn't have a primary care physician. That has definitely been a challenge for us. So, you know, put, put all these things down in a, in a checklist and in an organized notebook somewhere with those people's phone numbers so that you're not sitting in the hospital at one in the morning trying to Google people's phone numbers like I did. I spent a lot of time doing that the past couple of months. I'm like, wait, what? Who was her cardiologist? Oh, yeah. I think it was Dr. Kamara. What's his phone number? I had to look it up because I was not prepared. I was not organized. I did not know it. Um, fortunately for me, I found my mom's address book at her house. She, she, you know, she's of that era where everything is handwritten. I grabbed it and started going through it just to get what I needed. So that was helpful for me. But, you know, also in your checklist, just make sure you know what are the top three nursing home facilities in my loved one's area in case you have no choice but to send them to a skilled nursing facility. You really don't want these case managers at these hospitals deciding that for you. Let me tell you, I, I, don't, I don't have a whole lot positive to say about that situation. I'm sure there are some good ones out there, but they, they don't have your, they're, they're not worried about your best interests. They're worried about getting through their day, assigning that person to a facility and getting moved on to the next one. So maybe do some research, figure out what are the top three nursing facilities? What are the top three assisted living facilities, you know, near my loved one? What do they offer? What's going to be important? You know, what is the cost? Kind of know some of that. When your parents hit that age 85, kind of start figuring some of that stuff out so that when something does happen, um, and and it never happens the way you think it's going to happen. Not at all. You don't see it coming. <laughs> it's, you just wake up one day and, it, and it's there. Even for people that have, you know, long illnesses or terminal illnesses, you don't know the exact day that they're going to go off the cliff or that something, you know, that they're going to take a down, downward spiral. You don't. You have no way of knowing that. So maybe just get some of that information, put it in a little checklist, file it away somewhere, you know, Get, get a good handle on your parents' finances. That, that's a big, big thing so that you know at least where to go. Just put some of the basics together in a checklist so that when something does happen, you can go to it and say, oh, yeah, okay, here's a starting point. Maybe by the time things happen, a lot of situations are, you know, um, have, have changed in everybody's lives, but at least you have a starting point. I had none. I had absolutely no starting point. It was a difficult journey. It still continues to be a journey. Um, I'm so happy my mom is still with me. I know she won't be forever. Um, but, you know, here, here's another thing, too. One thing that I learned, another just a little tidbit. So my mom, when I went through all of her paperwork, I found out that she had prepaid for cremation at, at a, um, you know, at a mortuary. Uh, so I called them just to find out if it was still, she had done this several years ago, like 20 years ago. So I called them to find out, is this still valid? Is this still good? Or are they even still in business? I had no idea who they were. So they said, absolutely. Yes. It's, you know, your mom prepaid it. The contract is still valid. It's all good. So I said, oh, that's great. They said, oh, there's only one thing. She didn't give us any instructions of what to do with the ashes post cremation. Do you want them buried? Do you want them in a, you know, in an urn? Do you want them sent somewhere? What, you know, who do we give those to? 
I had no idea what the answer to that was. I, that's not something I had ever even thought of. I said, what? <laughs> what, what do you mean? Where, where did the ashes go? So that's something else to think about, you know, have your parents, you know, if you're, if you're around my age, if you're in your sixties, late fifties or sixties, your parents are in their eighties or nineties, they are of the era that they, they plan these things out. They've probably already, you know, pre-purchased a cemetery plot or, you know, made arrangements at a mortuary. My mom, you know, is definitely very frugal and very much a planner. You know, she's of that era um, where those things were important to her. So that's something to check out as well. But anyway, I've gone on long enough. This has been a long series or a long story of, of my mom and our journey to assisted living. I'm hoping that, you know, um, the end of her life is peaceful and pleasant for her. You never know. I'm uh, trying to do my best to make every day count for her and be good for her as positive as possible. And the assisted living center that she's in has really helped me to do that. And um, uh, I'm so grateful and so thankful for all the people that have helped her, the hospice people that continue to manage her care, the caregivers at the assisted living, um, you, you know, the nurse that helped with the IV, just everybody that comes into contact with my mom. I mean, they all have an impact on her life. The people that serve the food in the dining room, um, they all have an impact on your loved one's life. So make sure that, you know, you can create a positive impact for them for the remainder of their lives. You know, nobody wants to be just put away into a facility where nobody cares or it's not clean or their health care isn't managed well. Nobody deserves that. Nobody, nobody deserves the end of their life to be that way. Um, and just make sure that you talk to your family, your, your siblings, your extended family, and put together an advocacy system. Make sure you have an advocate for their health care. Make sure you have an advocate for their finances. Make sure you have an advocate for their ongoing life, whatever that is, you know, whether it's assisted living, uh, nursing facility, you know, just, just their daily living, make sure somebody is there to advocate for them because they do get, you know, we, everybody else is so busy and has so many other things in their lives. You know, we do tend to forget, you know, that they still have, they, they are still alive. They are still living. They still have the same needs. Uh, and they, they have even greater needs than they do because they can no longer manage it whether it's physical limitations, mental limitations, and a lot of times it's both, they need that advocacy. And if you want to be that advocate, you have to have your ducks in a row and you have to be able to make those decisions based on what is best for them and what's best for you. And that is the trickiest part is because sometimes what's best for them is hardest for you. And sometimes what's easiest for you is not best for them. So it's a really... It's a really tricky balance to achieve. So that is why I say, please divide and conquer if you have siblings and if you guys can all manage that. I know, you know, it's very tricky with the sibling thing. Um, but agree to disagree or agree to a point, you know, each of you in those roles. And, you know, your life will be a whole lot easier when your loved ones need help. It'll be easier for them and it'll be much easier for you. 
Okay, that's the end of my story for now. Um, if I have more to add, I will absolutely come back and share the rest of my journey with you. If I learn anything new or more or different or anything that I think can be helpful for people, I will absolutely share it with you. Uh, if, if you want to reach me, you can email me. My email is Linda, M-A-T-S-U, so Linda Matsu at gmail.com. Feel free to reach me. I'm happy to share my story, happy to share my thoughts, things I've learned, things to watch out for. Happy to share that with anybody. All right. I wish you all peace and positivity in your life with your elderly loved ones. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us today on Senior Living Arizona. Please share this podcast with friends and family and help seniors find the way to live life to the fullest. Help Senior Living Arizona increase our reach by taking a few moments to write a review. Senior Living Arizona is dedicated to bringing helpful tips that support aging successfully. Please reach out to us with topics you'd like us to cover. You can find us on social media at Senior Living Arizona and on the web at www.slscommunities.com. 